Dear glorious Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day. And Lord, we thank you for the gift of life. And we thank you for your Bible, your truths that you've given us. Not only to help us to see history and prophecy, but more, more than that, to see your heart. To reveal your character. To help us to understand who you really are. And so Lord, we ask you tonight as we study your word, as we open your Bible, we ask you to please send your Holy Spirit to bless us, to open our hearts and minds, draw us into your truths, help us to expand our knowledge of your character, but most of all, to draw us into a stronger, loving relationship with you. Lord, we ask this all in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. Space launches. They seem to captivate our attention, don't they? Yeah, we, we, we even today, with our short attention spans like we've talked about some nights. When we have a space launch, we seem to, a lot of us pay attention, don't we? I'm old enough to remember gathering around the TV, seeing them. And even, like I said today, when we do space launches, we're interested. But a few years ago, it was the re-entry of Columbia's space shuttle that caught our attention. The astronauts were coming home. It was like a journey like many others. In fact, I think we had gotten a little complacent. We just expected it to be routine. Like other landings, we got to the point where we thought a safe landing was inevitable. We just took it for granted. And of course, the unthinkable happened. We were stunned. We were shocked. Seven people had their lives snuffed out in the blink of an eye. Their families and friends were devastated, and they grieved over their loss. Tonight, I want to talk about a space, to, space trip, a journey that I promise you will not end in disaster. A journey that will not only begin well, but it will end well. Amen? You see, our commander is going to get us home, going to bring us home safely. He is coming to take us on one of the most fantastic space journey we can imagine. Past our nearest neighbor, the moon, a quarter of a million miles away. Past the sun, which is 93 million miles from the earth. Past the planets, Mercury, Jupiter, Saturn. Higher and higher still, past the nebula, and up through the open space in Orion. He has taken us home. And there's one thing for certain. That space journey is not going to end in disaster. The second coming of Christ will accomplish what no scientist yet has even dreamed possible. Our Lord will deliver us from the clutches of death. He will deliver us from pain, disease, suffering, persecution. You see, God's end time plan is revealed in his word. We've been studying his word for ten nights now. Remember the theme. This is what gives us the confidence to take the stand on scriptures. If it's in the Bible, I believe it. If it disagrees with the Bible, it's not for me. 
the mountain peak, the pinnacle of all Bible prophecies, especially the book of Revelation, is the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's the culmination of all prophecy. And when you look at the book of Revelation, there is one central theme, and that's Jesus Christ. Remember we talked about it from the first night till night number nine. The revelation of Jesus Christ. The center point of the book of Revelation is not the dragon. It's not that seven-headed beast. It's Jesus. The great prophecies of the book of Revelation do not focus on the beast. They focus on Jesus Christ. These prophecies describe the return of our Lord and the climax of all history. I want you to notice the pattern. Turn me to Revelation chapter 14, page 1184. Revelation chapter 14, verse 14. Revelation 14, verse 14. Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and on the cloud sat one like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. You see, when the book of Revelation pictures the coming of Christ, it pictures him coming with a crown on his head. He comes as the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. The Bible does not picture Jesus and his second coming coming silently or secretly. Now, he came silently, or relatively silently, once before as a baby, born in Bethlehem's manger. Very few knew he was coming. But when the Bible describes him coming in the book of Revelation, the picture is far different. He comes with a crown of gold on his head. He comes with a sharp sickle in his hand to reap the harvest of the earth. The Bible always pictures Christ's second coming as him coming in power and in glory. Now, when you look at the book of Revelation, it always pictures his second coming as coming in majesty, in authority. Turn me to Revelation chapter 19, page 1187. Revelation chapter 19, verse 11. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. Let's continue, verse 14. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. So why does the Bible, why does Revelation picture Jesus coming on a white horse? What does this symbol represent? You see, a white horse is a symbol of purity, victory, and triumph. When Jesus comes with a crown of gold upon his head, riding a white horse, he is pictured as a victorious general, a conquering king. He is pictured as coming to defeat all of the forces of evil. My friends, the book of Revelation is very, very plain. Jesus' second coming, he returns victoriously. 
triumphantly and gloriously. Turn me to Revelation chapter 11. Page 1182. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were loud voices in heaven, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. My friends, when the Lord comes, the great controversy is ended. The battle between good and evil will end. Sin and sinners will be no more. Jesus' second coming is not some mysterious event. He comes to reign over the entire universe. He comes to be worshipped and praised by the redeemed forever and ever. Remember, what's the, the main crux of the great controversy? Worship. Worship. There are two very important questions that many ask concerning the second coming. First, how will Jesus come back the second time? And next, how can I know that I will be ready when he comes? So how do I know when he's coming? How will, how will I know? And how, what manner will his coming be? And the second question is the best question, right? Will I be ready to meet him? My friends, the Bible gives very clear answers to both of those questions. God's end-time plan is revealed in his word. The Bible is very plain. Jesus describes one of the deceptions before his return this way. Turn me to Luke chapter 17, page 1014. Luke chapter 17, verse 23. Luke chapter 17, verse 23. And they will say to you, look here, or look there. Do not go after them or follow them. Now this is Jesus talking himself. In other words, if anybody tells you that Jesus is coming secretly to a select few, or that he's appearing in some place, anywhere on earth, according to Jesus, We can know that those claims are false. So why would Jesus warn us of this? Because Jesus knew that this topic would be one of great deception and confusion, especially down at the end of time. This was going to be a major conflict in the Christian church. Someone may tell you, He's in Tokyo. Jesus is in New York City. He's in the desert. I've heard on the radio, he's in Africa. And millions of people are waiting for his jet to land. I've heard it. Some will say, here he is, or there he is. But Jesus is saying, do not go. Do not go running off after these claims. Back in Luke chapter 17, this time in verse 24. Jesus continues, For as the lightning that flashes 
out of one part under heaven shines to the other part under heaven. So also the Son of Man will be in his day. My friends, Christ will not appear on a talk show one day. He will not appear as a miracle worker on the streets of Paris. I hear somebody laugh. That's a real claim. He won't walk down some major street in the world and a bunch of people be surprised. He won't hold up his hands and say, here I am. I'm the Messiah. That's not how it's going to work. The Bible tells us he is coming like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky. You see, if Christ is coming down from above, he will not rise up from below. Now you might be thinking, well, Dan, this sounds really good. But is it really necessary to understand this? I mean, if I love Jesus, isn't that enough? Well, you see, my friends, Satan attempts to deceive people. And many are already deceived this very moment. As we've studied multiple nights, Satan is the great deceiver, the greatest of deceivers. He counterfeits the truth to lead millions astray. He takes the truth and mixes air with it. But Jesus, in his word, clearly reveals his plan. Now let me share with you some very clear facts from the Bible about the second coming of Christ. First of all, Christ's coming will be a literal event. It will actually happen. Not a symbolic event. It will actually happen. Turn me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 11, page 1051. Acts chapter 1, verse 11. Who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into the heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Now, let me give you a little context of what's going on here. This is when Jesus is ascending to the Father. He's going up, and the disciples are watching him. Go up on the clouds. And they're staring in amazement and sadness too, right? Their Lord is leaving them. Mixed emotions for them. And an angel tells them, why are you upset? He is going to come back in the same manner. And what manner is that? From the, he goes up into the sky. He's going to come back from the sky. Amen? That's like manner. The power of gravity cannot hold the Lord down. He ascends higher and higher and still higher. And as I said, the disciples gaze up at him in wonder. And the Bible tells us that the same Jesus, same Jesus, who is taken up from you into heaven will come back in like manner. He's telling us they will see him go, they will see him come back. Like manner. A real Christ ascended, a real Christ will descend. The same Jesus who healed the sick, the same Jesus who fed the 5,000, praise the Lord, 
the same Jesus who raised the dead. This Jesus ascended, and he will return in like manner. Next, Christ's return will be a visible event. What does visible mean? You'll see it. You'll see it. The Bible says the second coming of Christ will be a visible event. His ascension was visible. They saw it. And when he descends, it too will be visible. Turn me to the book of Revelation, chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1, verse 7, page 1174. Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. It says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. How many eyes? Every eye. How many people will see Jesus? Every eye. Who will see him? Every eye. Read that verse and then tell me. Is Jesus coming secretly to just a chosen few? Not according to the Bible. The Bible says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him. My friends, Christ's second coming is a literal event. Christ's second coming is a visible event. The Bible tells us also that Christ's second coming will be an audible event. What does audible mean? Hear it. Turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, page 1137. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. Now, first of all, who's returning? The Lord himself. Remember? A literal coming? It will be the real Jesus. And he's going to come with a shout and with the trump of God. And it continues, And the dead in Christ shall rise first. My friends, here's the good news. He comes literally. A real Christ comes. He comes visibly and every eye will see him. And even more good news, he comes audibly. Every ear will hear it. And my friends, this is a glorious day. Amen? Our Lord returns to us. And he does so in a manner in which we will all see and we will all hear. Perhaps you've lost a loved one to death. Perhaps a little one that you've had to lay in the grave. A son or daughter, perhaps killed in a car accident. That grave is marked by God. The Bible says the Lord himself shall descend with a shout. And that shout will pierce the tomb of every believer. It says with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. My friends, that's the trumpet of victory. It's the trumpet of triumph. It's the trumpet of conquest over death. 
And the Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise first. Once again, more good news. One day, Jesus is going to say, John, come forth. Mary, come forth. Chad, come forth. Doreen, come forth with a new resurrected body. Amen? And that loved one will come out of the tomb and be caught up in glory and immortality to meet Jesus in the air. The Bible tells us back in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, this time in verse 17. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Who are we going to meet? The Lord, Jesus. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Who's the them? The righteous dead who are resurrected. The righteous dead who have been sleeping in the graves. We will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And that verse finishes, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now notice the intimacy of those words. My friends, those words are saturated with love. Now let me ask you a question. According to these verses, does Jesus come to live upon the earth at this time? No, it says we don't meet him on the earth. It says we meet him in the air. Turn me to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, page 961. Matthew 24, verse 26. Once again, this is Jesus speaking. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out. So Jesus is telling us himself, if they have to tell you that I've come, it's not me. That's what Jesus is saying. My friends, the Bible tells us that Satan is going to masquerade as Christ, working mighty miracles. And if someone tells you, hey, Jesus is in Cairo, you need to go there. There's some really great stuff happening My friends, I promise you, there probably is some really amazing things going on there. (laughs) But Jesus says, don't go and look at them. The Bible says, don't go. Because it will be so real that it could deceive you. The Bible says, don't go, because when the real Christ comes, he will become streaming down the corridors of the sky. We're talking about the real Christ versus the counterfeit. The real second coming versus a counterfeit second coming. And Christ warns us that the enemy is going to try to deceive us on this very point. Christ's coming will also be a glorious event, amen? Turn me to Matthew chapter 24 again. This time verse 27. 
Matthew chapter 24. I'm sorry it says Luke, but it's Matthew. Matthew chapter 24, verse 27. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Matthew chapter 24, verse 27. We're told God will perform a dazzling light show in the sky. He will stream down from the sky with 10,000 times 10,000 angels. My friends, only Christ is the life giver. Only Christ can resurrect the dead. This is an important point. The real Christ is coming in the sky. The real Christ is coming to resurrect the dead. The real Christ will catch us up in the sky to travel with him on that space journey I mentioned earlier, past the moon, past the sun, past the stars, to the throne room of the universe. And remember that last part of that verse in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4? And we will always be with the Lord. My friends, that's my favorite verse. Always be with the Lord. Back in Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, this time in verse 30. The Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. The Son of Man will appear in heaven. You see, Christ is coming like lightning that flashes from the east to the west. And he appears in the skies to how many tribes? All the tribes. The whole world. Turn me to Revelation chapter 1, verse 7 again. Page 1174. Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. You see, my friends, it's not only believers that are going to see him when he comes. When Christ comes a second time, every eye will see him. Every ear will hear him. You see, there are only two classes when he comes again. The saved and the unsaved. The redeemed and the lost. My friends, there is no second chance when Christ comes. No second chance. Revel, uh, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 24 continues. Remember that? And they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. We just read it. They will see. The Bible says they will see. That is all the nations of the earth. The Son of Man coming in glory. Christ coming will be a climactic event. Jesus comes literally, visibly, audibly, and Jesus comes gloriously. The coming of Christ is the decisive event in all of human history. Turn me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, page 11, 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51. 
The Apostle Paul, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. As I said, this is a climactic event. It's a dramatic event. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Now I want you to think about this. I want you to imagine this. When Christ comes streaming down the corridors of the sky, the earth is illuminated with the glory of God. The ground rumbles, buildings shake, lightning flashes, thunder crashes. 10,000 times 10,000 angels speed with haste to graves of righteous believers as they come forth. And their bodies do not have the curse of sin. There are no more deaf ears, no more blind eyes, no more arthritic limbs. Praise the Lord, I say. No more diseased bodies. No more victims of cancer and heart disease because their blood pressure is too high. As believers, we are looking up. Christ is coming. This is the most magnificent event in the heavens. Instantly, our mortal bodies, which have been subject to disease and death, receive immortality. What a day! Christ comes, my friends, I say, what a day! Praise the Lord! Instantly, we're transformed. Instantly, we're changed. New life pulsates through our bodies. And we radiate with health and joy and gladness and happiness. As Christ descends in glory, we sing his praises as our bodies are changed from the corruptible to the incorruptible. Turn me to Revelation chapter 15. Revelation chapter 15, verse 3, page 1184. Revelation chapter 15, verse 3. They sing the song of Moses, the servant of God, and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works. Lord God Almighty, just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. My friends, they're singing the praises of the Lord. We see the dead resurrected. We see our brother, our sister, our son or daughter, our husband and wife come out of the tomb with a new, glorious, immortal body. Angels present them to us again. We embrace with tears flowing down our cheeks and we ascend together. We head to Jesus. We head to the safety and security, and protection, and love of Jesus. I want you to picture this scene. Loved ones embracing. Families are reunited. This is the greatest drama of the ages. We see loved ones coming out of the graves, 
And we are singing, great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways. We see him coming as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And we cry out. Turn me to Isaiah chapter 25. Page 677. Isaiah chapter 25. Verse 9. And it will be said in that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him, and we will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. My friends, we have waited for him, amen? These people, these believers, have not accepted the false Christ. They have not accepted the counterfeit Messiah who pretended he was Christ. This is our Lord Jesus who comes. This is the Lord, and we have waited for him, and we'll be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Praise the Lord. Turn me to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, page 11, 14. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2. For he says, in an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. My friends, our eternal destiny is being settled by the choices we make today. Remember that second question we asked? Am I ready? My friends, I believe we are living on the knife edge of eternity this very moment. We are living in the days just before the second coming of Jesus Christ. I believe that soon Jesus is going to stream down through the corridors of the sky. So let's summarize the events that take place. What happens when Jesus comes? First, we're going to have seismic upheavals. There are going to be stupendous seismic upheavals. Mountains and islands will be moved out of their places, and a great earthquake will shake the planet. Number two, the righteous dead will be raised. Paul tells us in Thessalonians, the dead in Christ shall rise first. All who sleep in their graves will hear Christ's trumpet-like voice, and they will rise up. And the righteous will rise up to eternal life. Number three, righteous living changed. Righteous living changed. Number four, immortality will be bestowed on the believers. Number five, the wicked living will be destroyed. We see in Revelation chapter 6, verse 14 and 15, that the wicked are going to call for the rocks and mountains to fall on them. You see, when Jesus comes, there will be no second chance, no second opportunity. This group of people will run from the second coming of the Lord. So when Jesus comes, 
the wicked living will be destroyed. And the righteous will welcome Christ. The Bible says when Christ comes, we are caught up with them to meet him in the air. They will welcome Christ. They'll celebrate. They'll be happy to see him. And then the righteous will go to heaven. Now some people are going to say, wait a minute, Dan. Did you miss that part of the Bible that says he's coming as a thief? Aren't there two comings of Christ? One when he comes as a thief, and then the other when he comes in glory? What about that secret rapture? I'll give you a little homework. Try to find the word rapture in the Bible, first of all. But what about a secret rapture? Turn me to Matthew chapter 24. We were there earlier. Matthew chapter 24. Page 961, Matthew 24, verse 36. But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Now verse 43. Matthew 24, verse 43. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Now I want you to think about this. Is this text speaking about the manner of his coming or the time of his coming? You see, when the Bible talks about a thief, it's talking about the time he comes, not the manner. Now, might, it's, I want to say, isn't that plain, but obviously it's not if you listen to a bunch of the Christian world, amen? Well, let me ask you a question about a thief. Does he cup his hands around his mouth and scream a warning up to your house? Here I come. Get ready. I'm going to rob you. Is that what a thief does? No, a thief comes when we least expect it. And he does so quickly and rapidly. Quickly and rapidly. So when Jesus comes as a thief, the world will not expect it. He comes quickly and unexpectedly. But remember, every eye will see him. The Bible does not teach that he secretly comes as a thief. Not at all. Turn me back to Matthew chapter 24. This time we're going to read verse 44. Matthew 24, verse 44. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. My friends, Jesus himself tells us the, what the, is going on here in this description. He says, You need to be ready, for he's coming at an hour you don't expect. He's talking about the timing. He says he's going to come when people aren't expecting it. Jesus himself is telling us, he's warning us to be ready, because his coming will be a surprise. Not a secret. A surprise. Turn me to 2 Peter chapter 3. 
2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, page 1167. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. Notice Peter, I underlined it. He's talking about an audible event, isn't he? And he's not saying it's some little mouse squeaking. Great noise. And it continues. And the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. When? When he comes as a thief. The coming of a thief is the timing of his coming. It will be a surprise. In fact, how would the earth being burned up be a secret? I think I'd noticed that. Second coming is a surprise to the unprepared. My friends, the prepared know he is coming. The unprepared are surprised. But what happens to them? How about this expression? One take and the other left. Aha, I got you, Dan. One take and one left. It's got to be a secret. Turn me to Luke chapter 17. Page 1014. Luke chapter 17, verse 36. Two men will be in the field. The one will be taken and the other left. Now let me ask you a little question. Does the text anywhere say the one who is left is left alive? We kind of gloss over that one. My friends, that's what man puts into this text. It's not what the Bible says. It doesn't say that at all. In fact, Jesus goes on. Luke chapter 17, verse 26. As it was in the days of Noah... There's where I mixed up my, <laughs> my Bible verses on the slides. I apologize. As it was in the days of Noah. Let me ask you this. What was it like in the days of Noah? Were there two classes of people in the days of Noah? Absolutely. Was one class taken in the days of Noah? Yes. Was one class left in the days of Noah? Absolutely. So what happened to the class that was left? Dead. Destroyed by the flood. Jesus continues in Luke chapter 17, this time in verse 28. Luke chapter 17. Jesus is giving us historical examples, context, Luke chapter 17, verse 28. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. So what happened in the days of Lot? Was one class taken out of the city? Yeah. Was one class left? Absolutely. Two classes. One saved. One alive that is arising, ascending to Christ. One lost, which is one dead class, destroyed at the coming of Christ's glory. 
as in the days of Lot. One class got out of the city. They were saved. One class left behind, destroyed. My friends, Revelation is plain about this division of the world at the second coming of Christ. Turn me to Revelation chapter 6. I mentioned it earlier. Revelation chapter 6, page 1178. Revelation chapter 6, verse 15. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man, hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains. In the rocks of the mountains. And said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. My friends, this is a class who are scared of the Lord. The most glorious occurrence to happen in the history of man. And they beg for the rocks to fall on them. Because they're unprepared. They're unprepared. They never accepted Christ. They never accepted his gift of salvation. For the, day of his, for the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? Now I want you to think about this picture and how tragic it is. He comes to save them, but they run and hide. They run and hide. Their hearts are gripped with fear. They have not crowned him as king of their hearts. They have not surrendered to him. They have not given him the glory in their hearts. So they don't want to crown him in the kingdom of the glory of the universe. You have to accept him as king over your heart before you can have him as kingdom over the universe and serve him. So they run and they're frightened. They cry for the rocks and the mountains to fall upon them. So you see, when the Bible describes the second coming of Christ, one of the greatest deceptions is that some will be left on earth and have a second chance during the tribulation. You see, the devil has sold that lie to deceive people to put off their salvation, to delay. He's running the clock out. It's a delay tactic. And these people think, well, I can put off my salvation. And then during the tri tribulation, I'll get serious. I'll live it up. I can do whatever I want because I'm going to get a second chance. My friends, according to the book of Revelation and the teaching of Jesus Christ, there is no second opportunity. The time to get serious about your salvation is right now. Many times people will say, well, you know what, Dan? I'll get right when probation closes. You know when probation closes? Oh, wait a minute. Dan's going to predict the day. The moment you stop breathing, that's when your probation closes. Because then you can no longer choose Jesus anymore. Your path is sealed. 
My friends, I can kill off the stage right now. Probation closes for me at that moment. Turn me to Revelation chapter 22. The last page of the Bible, page 1190. Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. Jesus, and behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. My friends, his coming, his second coming is for everyone. Judgment will be done for all when he comes. Notice he's bringing his reward. We, all, we all like to think, all oh, that reward's a good word, right? It couldn't be. It's what we deserve. Notice he does not say he's coming for some and then we'll come back later for the others. He doesn't say that at all. He says he's coming to give everyone according to his work. Christ's coming will be a literal event, a visible event, an audible event, a glorious event, a climactic event, and it will definitely be a joyous event. My friends, do not put off to some future date. Don't delay it till there's a more convenient time. Don't miss the most joyous event of all the ages. When Christ comes, it will surely be a joyous event. It will be the happiest event in all of history. Turn me to John chapter 14. We've read this a couple of times in the series. Page 1042. John chapter 14, verse 2. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am. There you may be also. My friends, this is the glorious promise of the Bible. I will come back is what he's saying. This is his promise. And I have a place for you in heaven. Jesus comes bursting down the corridors of the sky. You see, here's a family that laid their baby in the grave. Suddenly there's a rumbling. The lightning flashes. They look up and they see Jesus is coming. Lightning flashes from the east to the west. An angel comes and the dead are resurrected. And mama holds that baby in her arms once again. Amen. Is there anything that would keep you from being ready for the coming of Christ? I want you to think about it. A husband witnesses to his wife. Or someone else witnesses to a friend. But they say, no, that's just a fairy tale. Christ will never come. My friends, one day Christ will come. He will stream down the corridors of the sky and he will take us home with him. There are only the saved and the lost on that day. You are either with God or you're against God. There's no neutral ground you can't sit on the fence. The righteous and the unrighteous on that day. They are the ones 
who look up. This is our God. And those who cry for the rocks and mountains to fall on them, those are the two classes. One will say, this is our God, praise the Lord. The other ones are going to run for the hills and beg for the rocks to fall on them. There is only one thing that can satisfy today and forever, my friends, and that is Jesus Christ. It's not a fairy tale. This is not make-believe. This is reality. This is real life. One day, Jesus will come, and he wants to save you. My friends, ask yourself, would you like to say with me tonight, Jesus, please save me. Jesus, I believe you are going to come on the clouds of heaven, and I want to be ready. My friends, if that's your desire, please stand with me tonight. Please stand with me. By standing, we are saying, yes, Jesus, save me. Yes, Jesus, I want to be ready when you come. Praise the Lord. My friends, this is real life. This is that topic that the devil has deceived so much of the church. And the Bible is so clear. I beg you all to please study this. Please go to your Bibles. Please pray to Jesus. Join me in a word of prayer. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, once again, we thank you for your love and mercy. And we thank you for the forgiveness of our sins and the shedding of your dear blood. And most of all, Lord, we thank you for this truth of your second coming. You lay out for us so clearly in the Bible the manner of your coming, the timing of your coming. And Lord, we also thank you for the warning of the deceptions that have come and yet to come. And Lord, we search our hearts and we pray to you to continue to speak to us, continue to reveal your light unto us so that we will be ready when that day comes. And it's true, Lord, we do not know the day, but we now surely know the manner. And so, Lord, I ask you, please, to send your Holy Spirit to these dear souls, to call them to your salvation, to your gift, to your forgiveness, to your sacrifice. Lord, I ask you, please, to keep them safe to wrap your loving arms around them, protect them, continue to draw them unto your truths, but most of all, bring them into heaven with you. Lord, we ask this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen.